Welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and as always, I got my co-host Matt here with me. Matt, how you doing on this fine Tuesday night? Doing great. Football's over though, which is kind of sad, but you know what? We got a lot to look forward to at this offseason. Yes, very sad, unfortunately, uh, that the season has come to an end. The Rams did beat the Bengals 23-20, to 20, uh, but that means the draft order is officially set. New first-round mock draft dropped this morning on Jets X Factor for myself. Go check that out. Uh, but today, uh, we have something really interesting to get into. As we've done earlier uh, in this offseason, we have done our dream offseasons. We have looked ahead to the best possible case scenario and our opinions for what could happen for this pivotal offseason for the Jets. And this week, we're doing the opposite. We are going to look at the worst case scenarios uh, and what is the absolute disaster situations, uh, free agency, the draft, and everything else for this team, prepping them for 2022 and beyond in such a really, really important offseason. The ammo that they have, uh, Zach Wilson's second year, all the rookies that got playing time, the, the need for depth as well as immediate talent there's a lot that has to happen this year and if it doesn't go well it could throw the team back years quite honestly it could really really set things behind so we're going to get right into it matt i'm going to let you lead things off as always with uh the offseason free agency comes first so we're going to talk about what striking out in free agency would mean exactly and how bad it really could get and how bad it could really affect the rest of the offseason and the draft matt go ahead so when you think of how JD has built this roster, uh, or at least through free agency last year, you had two big free free agent signings. You had Lawson, uh, and you had uh, Corey Davis. But then everybody else was kind of depth and uh, solid bargain chip uh, players that he found that fit the scheme, fit what he his his vision was, and he sort of filled out the roster with these guys. So who are those guys this year and who what would happen if he struck out on those guys? What we see as those guys w- would be Barrios, Moses and LDT. Now if he strikes out on these guys, it's it goes beyond just who we think would fit this this team, who would help build this team. You also have guys like Barrios that the fans love and you have a guy like Barrios who fills a need at on special teams that we haven't had since Andre Roberts, who we let go. And once we lose a strength on special teams, it's automatically filled by a giant void that never really gets filled or it's filled with a hodgepodge of guys that yeah. never really pans out. Just look at kicker this year. We uh-huh. How many different kickers did we have this year? So return man, I feel it is very similar. We finally have a guy we can rely on uh, to be a solid spark on special teams. And to lose Barrios in free agency, I think would be a, a, a huge strikeout. Uh, it would upset the fan base, losing the guy they love, and it would just set us back to zero uh, at, at the position. And on top of that, uh, it goes uh, against bringing in bringing back uh, people that work well with Zach Wilson. He needs people around him that he can rely on. And I don't think there was anybody he could rely on more last year than Barrios. So losing Barrios, I think is the top loss, the biggest strikeout that can happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think that that is 
tops of the list of worst guy to not have uh, without a doubt. Like you mentioned, special teams uh, in all areas of special teams, it's like you don't know what you got till it's gone. And then the second it's gone, you miss it. Uh, and that we we felt that this year with kicker, like you said. And I really think we would feel it next year with uh, the return game, because that was one thing that the Jets really didn't have to deal with this year is that they had pretty decent starting field position for most of their offensive drives. And oftentimes it was because Barrios would return a kick to the 30 or he would get to, you know, 17 yards on a punt return. And it's those yards matter. And the fact that the rest of the league and his players and his peers voted him an all pro as a returner, that speaks volumes. That, that speaks to how good this guy really is. So I'm on board with you that he would be the number one worst guy to lose. Uh, and after him, it's Morgan does uh, mm-hmm. yep. This team needs a backup tackle with the future of Mekhi and George Fant injury histories. And just for depth purposes in general, because offensive linemen get hurt all the time, they need someone to be a backup. And I really don't think, and you really don't think we've talked about this on air and we'll get to, um, we'll get to this more when we do our draft. We don't think that the loser of the left tackle battle, as it is right now between Becton and Fant, we don't think the loser of them is getting benched outright. We think the loser is going to play right tackle and that both of these guys will be starting. And it's just a matter of where they will be starting, not who will be starting at all. So if that's the case, you need someone that's comfortable being in a backup role. We don't know if Morgan Moses is. Maybe he would like to test free agency again and get the chance to start after getting the chance to play so much with the Jets uh, when he wasn't really expecting to at first. He came in for a competition. But if he isn't brought back, you have to fill that role with somebody. And whether it's another veteran or whether it's somebody in the draft, hopefully you can do it by just re-signing Morgan Moses. If not, I think you have to find some other veteran stopgap and free agency as a depth tackle. Otherwise, you're going to be forced into it with a decently high draft pick. And that's kind of the theme is what we're going to continue to talk about with striking out in free agency. What we mean by that is not getting starting caliber players or important depth players at really key positions that don't line up with where the Jets want to I'll allocate their draft resources where it makes more sense for them to attack specific positions in free agency than it does with, uh, with draft picks, depending on the order, the rest of the teams, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into a situation where specifically um, talking about offensive tackle, you have to draft an offensive tackle as a backup early or for people that are wondering about drafting someone like Ika McQuanu or uh, Charles Cross, et cetera, uh, earlier in the draft, if you draft one of them, then that means either Mackay Becton or George Fant is on the bench when they lose the tackle job because the fourth overall pick isn't going to not start as the fourth overall pick, or you took a player fourth overall for them to be a backup. Either way, it doesn't really align with the plans of this current team, uh, and it really doesn't make sense for the Jets to put themselves in a position where they have to draft a lineman high to be a backup. I would much rather give them a situation where they can draft somebody in the third round that's a developmental tackle, and they can work on being a backup because they signed somebody in free agency 
to match up uh, and be that backup immediately, not have to force potentially a rookie into a starting role by one injury. And we saw how much one injury can affect uh, the offensive line this past season. So after Barrios, I think it's definitely Morgan Moses uh, in terms of most important from there. And those are the two guys really where losing them in particular, that's really going to hurt in terms of guys that not signing in particular, I think that's a little less specific, but it's more about positions. Matt, what is the number one position that they cannot miss out on in free agency from a bringing in a new player perspective? I would say it's either safety or right guard. Uh, I would probably hit, I'd probably bet more on safety because we need two safety positions. Really, we need uh, that deep, rangy safety uh, that can ball hawk that can play single high safety. And we also need that enforcer, uh, that guy that can be a box safety that can be in the slot that can work downhill. That could be a force in the run game. Uh, so we, I, I would say if we miss out on, on safety, that's probably a, a big loss right there. Uh, and we were saying, who do they need more? And they really need both all the same. So who is that that free agent out there that can be that bargain chip guy that fits a need, fits the what Sala's vision is on defense? Uh, and you were saying it was it was Tart from San Francisco, yeah, who was a free agent last year, uh, went back to the 49ers on a one year deal. He is free again in this free agency period. Is he that guy? Uh, I think. It could be. Uh, I probably side more with the rangy types. I feel like this defense needs that ball hawk in the back end. He needs that stud. That stud probably does more for this defense uh, with a team that's kind of really pass rush centric, that really wants to focus on getting to the quarterback and making them throw errant throws. And the players that are really going to benefit from that are the ball hawks, the guys with range. And I feel like that's probably where JD is going to focus, whether that's where JD actually focuses, maybe not. He might see it the other way around altogether and think that he needs that box guy, that enforcer, that tone setter to really uh, take this defense uh, to a new place. Uh, so you might say Tart. I would say Marcus Williams uh, would be the the guy. Uh, and just missing out on them, I I don't think they, there's other ways they can go if they miss out on them. So there's also an underlying yeah, problem with missing out on guys that you want because that's it, it's there's sort of an aura that surrounds the Jets that we can't land the people that we want that they're these players have much better options than the jets. So maybe they'll use us as leverage to get better contracts, but they don't We've really want to come here. We've seen it before with a bar and, and that went to Minnesota. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's not unheard of and it's, it's definitely on the minds of jets fans. So missing out on the studs and even the backup guys, the depth guys, the solid pieces, missing out on the guys that we want and need sort of leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth that 
we are the same old Jets. And we want to really come out from that shadow to show that we are a destination for players, uh, a place where they can go and be part of something. So to strike out on these guys kind of kind of sets the, the tone that we aren't there yet. Yeah, it would. It, it really would kind of reinforce the same old Jets narrative. Uh, if regardless of what the Jets plan is, and I think there's a really important distinction to make. Uh, we were talking about this off air a little bit before we started recording, but the difference between the fan perspective of what they want to do, uh, the media perspective, the general perspective, which can include our opinions as well, um, not specifically always, but sometimes, and the Jets brass opinion and Joe Douglas's philosophy. Uh, and this is one area in particular with the safety position where those things, I think, kind of are running counter to each other because we both agree, Matt, that we don't think Joe Douglas is going to want to spend a bunch of money on a top safety and that that isn't the the amount of money uh, where he's going to want to allocate the amount of cap space that he has. And the Jets do have a lot of cap space, but that doesn't mean that that's where Douglas wants to put a lot of money down because as we've been looking at this free agent class, there really isn't any gotta have it guys at key positions. There's a handful of guys that would be really nice as starters, but then there's also some guys in the draft that could fill the same role. If you were to miss out, there really isn't too many can't miss free agents other than some of these starting safeties or a right guard, which we'll get to in a minute, but the safeties in particular, if you don't sign at least one person to be a starting safety, whether it's a free safety or a strong safety, whoever that ends up being, it is going to be a huge problem come the draft because you are going to basically be forced into drafting one potentially earlier than you want to because you feel like you have to fill that need. And a need that gets filled with a high draft pick that could have been filled with a bargain free agent deal is a problem. And if that is because it's the same old Jets narrative, that's an even bigger problem. But I think for right now, what fans need to remember is that Joe Douglas is not going to spend a ton of money on a safety. I just don't think that's where he wants to prioritize the future of his team because he's also got guys that he has to pay in the future, potentially on his offensive and defensive lines like Quinnen Williams and hopefully Mekhi Becton and Elijah Barrett Tucker. I know Joe Douglas would much rather pay those guys than a safety. So the can't miss target, in my opinion, as you had alluded to, Matt, is Jaquiski Tart because I think that he is going to be the Jets' number one target, saying he can be a starting safety for us. We don't have to pay him top safety in the league money to do it. We don't have to sign a five-year deal. We can bargain shop like we like to, and we can find a guy to fill a role and not have to have both starting safety positions filled with draft picks. If they don't sign him, then I think your only other option is someone like Justin Reed, who I actually think might make more money on the open market than we're expecting and might be might cost the Jets into spending more than they want to for a safety that they wasn't even their first choice. A lot of things can go wrong. But the overall point is that 
whatever the Jets' plan is, if they have to pivot, it's a lot worse than their plan being right. If the Jets' plan is we are going to go after lower uh, level free agents at safety like a Jaquiski Tart and they sign him and they get one of their safety positions sorted out and they go into the draft only needing another one other one and not two there's going to be some fans like myself that are going to be upset that they didn't sign Jesse Bates if he were to get to the open market but the Jets plan was executed if the Jets plan is to sign Jaquiski Tart and they have to pivot and sign Justin Reed that's a bigger issue and there's a huge difference there. So I, I really, really think it's important that they get one of these safety positions down and whatever plan they make for the safety position in free agency, they execute it and they don't, they don't go to their plan B. Exactly. Not having to go to plan B on non-premium acquisitions, I think is essential because yeah, these, these aren't the top guys. These aren't the guys that the whole league is going to be knocking the door down to get after. So if you're missing out on these guys, that's a problem. And I feel and like you said, you don't want to have to go to the draft filling a need that you could have gotten with a decent deal in free agency. And if we're going to move on, I think we should move on to right guard now because I think that yeah, absolutely is I think that's a good place to to go because if you look at this right guard free agency class, you've got a lot of names that could fit our void at right guard. And we don't need to get the top guy. We don't need to get uh, who would you even say is the top guy. I, I, maybe not even right guard, but if we're going interior uh, O-line altogether, it would probably be Jensen, correct? Probably. He would be the star interior offensive lineman that we could land. Now, I don't think they're going to be going shooting for the stars for Jensen uh, as nice as it would be to have them. I think they're going to probably go uh, a little cheaper, maybe and, and younger and cheaper and younger. Uh, somebody that's maybe like in the t- early 20 or mid twenties, like yep. 25, 27, maybe Alex Kappa or Austin Corbett, whoever Connor it is Williams that Connor Williams, in Dallas, uh, whoever they choose to go after. If they miss out on them, that then have to go to their plan B. It's it's a problem because now, unlike last year where it was just Tooney, Tooney was the big name, and after him there was a whole lot of nothing. This year is a little different. There is a little bit more value on the board here. So if we do miss out, uh, it's not the worst. Uh, it's not the worst uh, problem to have because there are other options. But at the same time, it's a problem if we're missing out on these guys that aren't Toonies, that aren't the Jensen's. So we really need to hit on these guys because they're the guys that JD and this team feel are the best fits. The, the, the guys that can show up every day, do the job and they're not paying top dollar for. And those are the guys we need to hit on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important that, if these guys get to the open market that they're able to secure them on the open market, because there's a scenario that just popped into my head as we're sitting here recording that wouldn't be the worst case in the world, but it wouldn't be as good as just signing one of these guys outright in free agency where we don't know how franchise tags are going to play out yet. And it is likely that guys like Connor Williams and Austin Corbett uh, are going to hit the market, 
but on the off chance that they don't because of a franchise tag or whatever the reason, this may be a situation where Joe Douglas goes, dang, I really, really needed that guy to hit the market so that I could sign him and he could be a building piece to my offensive line. I don't want to bring back LDT and expect him to start at his age. I was hoping he'd be a backup. I'm, I, I'm really torn here as Joe Douglas, you know, now that that really pigeonholes me and you get into a position where Joe Douglas feels like he has to make a trade. And so you have to call one of these teams and say, you call the Rams who we know love making trades. Uh, if they were to tag Austin Corbett and work out a tag and trade where you send over pick 38 for Austin Corbett. Well, now it's almost like you pigeonholed yourself anyway because you used the draft pick that you were avoiding, hoping to keep on another position on the same position. You just got used it to get the guy you want. And so now it's like you're using the money you're going to spend to pay Austin Corbett and you had to use the draft pick to get him. It works out a lot better once these guys are on the open market. And I think some of them will shake free. So it's really, really important that they get at least one of them at this right guard spot so that they can go into the draft looking for their backups at guards, not starters. Absolutely. Yep. We we want to use the draft to draft blue chip guys to build this team, yep. not to fill immediate holes. Because if you're filling immediate holes, that means you, you, you didn't do very well in free agency. You're relying on the draft, an unknown. You don't know how people yeah. are going to fall. You don't know how uh, it's, it's going to go. It's a, it's a crapshoot. So if you're banking on that, that's a problem if because you're putting way too many chips in a gamble that you you have no control over. So yes, it makes all the sense in the world to really solidify all of this pre-draft, and they can't strike out if they if they have these guys available to them. If they hit the market, they need to they need to figure out who's that guy. They need to go after him hard at safety, at right guard, and they need to get them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. And if this is going to be a scenario where they don't value safety really that much at all, then this is a worst-case scenario because, in my opinion, the Jets brass are misvaluing something. And I think safeties are important. Are they extremely important to the level of, you know, some other positions? No but I do think they have their place and I do think they have their value and they can't be ignored outright. That said, if you're looking at it from the perspective of they really care about their safety position and they try and they get nowhere. Now you get into a situation where you look into the draft and if the jets care enough about their safety position to try and fail to sign a Marcus Williams or a Jesse Bates and give them a big money contract, then I think they would also care enough about their safety position to draft someone like Kyle Hamilton fourth overall. And Mm -hmm. this is a debate that we've had, Matt, not so much me and you, but in general, uh, among other people and just in times we've been talking, where I am in the camp that I do not want to take Kyle Hamilton, let alone at four, I wouldn't take him at 10 either. And it is nothing against him as a player whatsoever. Kyle Hamilton is fantastic. He's on my big board. I believe the sixth player in the draft overall. And 
I, even though I have him as the sixth overall player, I wouldn't take him in the top 10 in this class if I were the Jets for the sole reason that there are other positions that I think they really, really need to hit on and that they really value themselves. And you need impact players at those positions more so than you need a safety. And I think there are other impact safeties that you can get at 35 or 38. So what I want to avoid, like we talked about earlier, going into the draft, needing multiple safeties in 2016, the Jets spent the sixth overall pick. And I believe it was the 39th overall pick on safeties in Jamal Adams and Marcus May back to back. I don't want to do that again. I don't mm-hmm. want this to be a situation where we take Kyle Hamilton at four, whoever else it is, we take 10th overall and then have to take someone like Lewis seen 38th. I want to be able to spread out our resources and allocate our resources across multiple positions that aren't going to be as available or as potent later in in the draft. So if the Jets get into a scenario where they're considering drafting Kyle Hamilton, I think they've already lost, in my opinion. Because one, they shouldn't have to be worried about getting a safety that soon and that immediately because they should have at least half solved the problem in free agency. Or they shouldn't be that concerned about the position to where they feel like because they struck out, they absolutely have to go and do make this move because I feel like there are some other lower down guys like we talked about that they still could have had anyway. And if you're going to care about your safeties, you can still draft one later. You don't have to do it fourth overall. I I completely agree. Yeah. You never want to be painted into a corner. Uh, And that goes double for positions that you might not value as much like safety. Uh, And I think that also goes for guard. You don't want to have to be painted into a corner where you have to draft ICAM at four to play right to be a starting right guard. That is not something that we should want. It's not something JD wants at all. Uh, You want as much fluidity as possible. You want have want to have all the options on the table. Well, you just want options altogether. And to not have options and being forced to take a guy like Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton is not ideal in at, at, at all. It is truly one of the worst case scenarios being forced to take a safety when you don't necessarily want to. But now that leads me to think, is that not what he really wants? Does, does, is safety not, uh, is safety value more than we think it is? Because let's see, we have May. He didn't really want to pay May, but maybe that's more because May is getting older and May has injury problems. But let's go back to Adams. Before Adams forced his way out, he made it seem like he wanted to pay Adams, not on Adams' timeline, but on his own. But still, he wanted to pay Adams. So is JD's value of safety a little bit higher than what we think? That we don't know. But what we do know is that safety is something that we can solve in free agency. And if we don't, then we're forcing ourselves into something that we don't want to do, which is probably take one high. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't want to force yourself into any decision. 
you want to have options with every decision you make so that you know you're making the best decision out of the multiple options you have. You don't want to have the choice made for you uh, in any situation, uh, especially in the draft, especially this high, especially when you have two top 10 picks. This this offseason is really important. Like the Jets really can't screw this up. It's really important that they set their team up for the future with this offseason. Uh, otherwise, it's going to send ripple effects down the next three offseasons. So that right there, I agree, uh, is is going to be a huge problem. Uh, I think that's a good way to transition into the last little bit of what we're going to talk about here. And that is getting to the draft itself, assuming, and on, again, this is worst case scenario. We've gone through free agency and have completely shot ourselves in the foot. There is no starting safety. We're don't really have that many options at right guard. We didn't sign Ryan Jensen. We didn't, bring anybody else in we didn't really add anybody at tight end Barrios is gone Moses is gone the Jets big additions are are not really anybody worth note noteworthy if that they have any at all because team said same old Jets and we're not coming here and the Jets are basically now having to fill every need that they have in the draft and they get into a scenario where the players that they have available to them don't align with what they need. So what is the worst case scenario? We're going to do two, uh, not one each because we both agree, uh, but one, we will do two total to combined. Um, a realistic worst case scenario and a balls to the wall, unrealistic worst case scenario for the two draft picks at fourth overall and 10th overall. So to start that off fourth overall, we kind of alluded to it. And this is our realistic situation. The jets pigeonhold themselves at safety and they have to take Kyle Hamilton. If the first three picks ahead of them are Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, we Matt and I, uh, among some other people feel that Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher from Florida state would be well worth the pick at fourth overall. And we would say that in a heartbeat, and I am mentioning that here for a reason, because I had some people disagree with that in my mock draft today, but you'll come around after the combine. Um, anyway, we are going to take him out of the equation. We're saying that the Jets are not going to view Jermaine Johnson that highly, so we aren't going to view him that highly in this situation. If it was up to us, we would take Jermaine Johnson. We, I actually think this top three scenario is very, very likely, and Assuming there are no trade down partners and assuming there are no trade downs anywhere at four and 10 and you're stuck making those picks. I think this is what the board's going to look like. So I could see an option where worst case scenario, the jets don't sign any safeties. And so they're forced to take Hamilton at four. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, well, we're saying if they didn't feel, fill any needs in free agency, right? Uh, this is, Balls to the wall, like I said, they didn't fill any needs, or if they did, it was with low-level spot starters, not with anybody that you have any real confidence in. Well, if that's the case, then I think they probably go ICAM then. Because if they didn't fill right guard with anybody of substance, then somebody that they can put in with of substance is ICAM, and I feel like the value is there. But that's not really a worst case scenario. So let's say they actually do find somebody of something of substance at right guard. Then 
it gets a little harder because now you can't fill ICAM in that spot because you already have a starter there. What and if they you bring have- back they bring back LDT and say he's the starter? Well, that's a worst case scenario on its own because if you're there, you go. If, there's if, there's the answer that you were looking for. Yes, if they go through that free agency class at right guard and come away with LDT as their best option and the guy that they are confident in to play to be a starter at right guard, then yeah, that's a problem all in itself. <laughs> uh, and if that keeps you from getting ICAM, that's an even bigger problem. Uh, so then yes. At that point, who do they look towards? And it would be Hamilton, probably. It would be getting the the top guy on their board, no matter what position that is. Uh, position value be damned. It would be Hamilton. It would fill that need that they did not fill in in uh, free agency. Uh, they if they didn't get anybody that they felt can fill that need, then they're who they relying on: Davis, Pinnock. No, it, there's nothing really there to yeah. to really bet on. Uh, I wouldn't put my money on those two to be starting quality safeties uh, at all. That, that 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 that's a doomed bet right there. So, yeah, Hamilton would probably have to be the pick, and it would be the worst case scenario for me. Yeah, it would be. It, it really is, in my opinion, right now, the worst case scenario. Uh, the only other one is the one you mentioned, which is taking Iquanu to play right guard and uh, being forced to do that because you didn't get one of the ones in free agency. So yeah. I, I really think that that is realistically the worst option uh, for four um, run through. We have our little mock draft here of worst case scenario, mock draft getting to the 10th pick um, fifth overall Jermaine Johnson. We'll take him out of the equation. Uh, followed by Charles Cross, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, and Sauce Gardner. So looking at that, again, you have the top two receivers gone. You have the next best defensive end, in our opinion, and I think eventually soon will be consensus opinion. Um, He's out of the equation. You have the top corner gone. And you also have the next best tackle gone. Um, Do you take Ekem here? to play guard at 10. Do you take Linderbaum to potentially play guard? Maybe Connor McGovern is brought back and they take Linderbaum to play guard for a year before moving him over. I feel like at this point, you're going to be taking an offensive lineman that you don't have a plan for, which Mm -hmm. whatever, either way it ends up being realistically, what would be the worst case scenario? I think Instead of one of these offensive linemen, because I do think at the very least they would be quality players right away, is you get panicky about your corners and you take Derek Stingley. Yeah. And now you're taking a guy with injury concerns Mm -hmm. uh, in a year where you need to hit on guys and guys that will actually play. Uh, We haven't really seen Stingley play top quality football for a full season since his freshman year. So taking have being forced to take a chance on a guy like that uh can put it jd in some very precarious positions uh if he doesn't pan out uh, if he doesn't play if he gets hurt uh i mean if any of these guys get hurt it's a problem but at the same time if it's a guy that has a history of being hurt 
and he gets hurt, then yeah. it's it's an image thing at that point. Now it's like, well, you had these warning signs. You knew how important this offseason was, and you took him anyways. Right. Not because another risk, just yeah, another risk. added risk. Having to really bank on risk is not something JD uh, probably ever wants to do, but it's not something he should even touch in this offseason. This offseason is all about setting the stage for the future because the, the, what we do in this offseason will lay the groundwork for what this team will look like for the next decade, hopefully. Because yeah. hopefully we're getting those kinds of guys that are two or three contract guys that stick around, that can be built on. And if we're having to take those risks, yeah, maybe they, they, they hit. Maybe. Stingley had that great freshman year. If he can uh, tone down the injuries and come back to that level, then yeah, that's a great pick. But at the same time, he can't take that risk. Uh, so who who is that guy? Maybe it's not corner at all. Maybe what they do is go to what they know best, which is the big uglies up front. Maybe they go interior defensive line. Uh, yeah, that is the route they go. That that is that is a possibility. I think that's the perfect transition to our nightmare, unrealistic doesn't make any sense based on the Jets philosophy or what we understand about Robert Sala or Joe Douglas draft um, surprising picks at four and 10. Maybe they value the interior, the defensive line more than we think they do. And maybe Foley Fadakasi leaves in free agency. And the two defensive tackles you have are Quinnen Williams and Sheldon Rankins. And you're not too confident about that. Maybe you look at it if you're Joe Douglas on your board, like you said, well, Kyle Hamilton would be the next highest graded player. And we're just going to take the best player on our board. Well, maybe Joe Douglas doesn't value safeties that high. Maybe Joe Douglas truly does value linemen higher. And I believe this to be true. So this wouldn't even be that unrealistic from that angle, but maybe just maybe, and the jets would be very wrong in grading him this highly. But maybe they fall in love with Jordan Davis from Georgia. Mm -hmm. This mammoth on the inside, on the interior. That is just the run game destroyer. And they go, our run defense was 32nd in the league last year. We, we have no shot at stopping the run. We need to be able to stop the run. And they just commit the fourth overall pick and shock the world and say, we're going to take this guy because we want him and he's a mammoth and we think he's a top five player and he's the best player on our board. And they view him that highly. That's a really, really bad pick at fourth overall. As good as I think Jordan Davis is and as good as I think he would be for the Jets, that's a really bad pick at fourth overall because it is way, way, way too high for a nose tackle with all the other needs that this team is going to have. Can you imagine this fan base if we take another <laughs> defensive tackle? Douglas would be called for his head. Like they would say fire Douglas immediately. I mean, I think we would all agree that the interior defensive line needs help and needs bodies. But if we take one this high, ah, the, the amount of disgust and pain that would seep out of the pores of this fan base would, would be horrifying. It's, it, it would be something. Um, but yeah, 
what we think is absolutely has no bearing at all on what JD thinks. And yeah, like you said, maybe he does truly value uh, defensive linemen uh, that high. And yeah. I don't think we should think of that as too much of a surprise. Uh, they have said time and time again how much they value the trenches. And mm-hmm. yeah, a guy like Davis would fit right in. Uh, but at the same time, we're taking a position that can be filled later on, but being forced to take that value here because that's all we have left to do because everybody else, gone. Other options, gone. So we're either taking, we've said Stingley so far. If you yeah. had the choice between Stingley and injury uh, concern at corner or Davis, uh, a behemoth defensive tackle in the top 10, neither are optimal and everybody would say, come on, no, there's got to be other options, somebody else that we can take. But you know what? That it might be on the top of the mind for Douglas. Yeah, it really might. Uh, and I didn't think about this until literally right now as you were talking. But and and it, honestly, it's scaring me a little bit now because now <laughs> I think that I think that we might be speaking this into existence a little bit, maybe. But you know who? Not. Yeah, I hope I, I I hope not as well. But you know who was in Baltimore for a really long time, Joe Douglas. Mm-hmm. You know who Baltimore had on their defensive line for a really long time? That's pretty much the same thing as Jordan Davis. Haloti Nada. Yep. Yeah, that would be the guy. And so if you're Joe Douglas, wouldn't you want to have your own Haloti Nada? Wouldn't mm-hmm. you want to have that guy again that you saw in Baltimore that you knew was an absolute freak every day. The the stories that people tell about Haloti Nada in practice for his former teammates are just insane. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the stories from Jordan Davis will probably be similar. I, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's a guy they fall in love with. Um, that will lead mm-hmm. us again to the 10th pick in this absolute worst case scenario, which I think Jordan Davis can play either side as the, it's really, really, really bad at fourth overall. It's really bad at 10th overall. Um, I, I have some more logs to, to throw on that Davis fire because oh yeah? who, do we, who do we want to be that defensive presence on the interior defensive line? It would be Quinn and Williams, right? It would be, ideally. So far, Quinn hasn't really had that season that says, okay, he is that guy. He is not a... Nope. He has not played to that standard yet. So... With with, with Quinnen's contract on the horizon, maybe David uh, Joe Douglas is saying, you know what, <laughs> I don't want to invest in Quinnen in the future. I'm going to find my Nada right now. I'm not going to wait. I have this opportunity. The board hasn't fallen the way I wanted, but you know what? Here's Davis. Here here's the guy that can be what Quinnen couldn't be, and. Yeah, now I'm starting to scare myself, but I'm I'm, I'm I'm slowly talking myself into accepting that this could be a possibility. Oh, no. Oh, no. You scared me even worse because I have another one for you. <laughs> <laughs> what did Robert Sala do in San Francisco with DeForest Buckner? Uh, traded him, didn't he? Traded oh. him. 
yep. traded him to Indianapolis. And then immediately, what did he do with the draft pick in the first round? He got back, took another defensive took tackle. Another defensive tackle. So yeah, uh, is is are, is history repeating itself here? I, is I history hope repeating itself here? It's funny because we didn't we, we didn't go into this episode thinking that we were really going to be like disgusted with what we came up with, <laughs> like <laughs> thinking that any of this would actually happen. But at the same time, now it's all kind of making sense, and it's 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 uneasy. It's it's unnerving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what it is, Matt. It's that we're both so sick in the head to even concoct that this would be something that's happening that we're having to come up with reasons why it could happen. And we're realizing that we're not wrong. And it's kind of shocking <laughs> yeah. us in real time that, that we aren't expecting this to actually make sense. I'm going to get off this topic before we, <laughs> before, before I, we really mess up and, and start advocating for this. Uh, but moving on, I think that that's going to take us to the 10th pick. Assuming Jordan Davis at four, hail Mary, hallelujah. Um, who is going to be the 10th pick? Well, I think the option again is an overdraft and it's an overdraft of a player that would be something they reasonably could take a player. They apparently have had interest in interest in and a player they have seen firsthand. And that would be overdrafting and reaching for Trevor Penning 10th overall where you're taking this guy because of his nastiness and his demeanor. And he's got some great upper body strength. And there's a couple of traits there. The, you know, the athletic traits are there, but he is not worth the 10th pick in the draft. And that's okay. <laughs> that's not everybody is as an offensive tackle. That's a high bar to be, but taking him at 10th overall would be really, really bad because not only would it then be expectations of, is he going to start? Like we talked about earlier, who gets benched out of the trio, um, on top of that, you're setting him up for really high expectations that he might struggle to meet early. And it's a definitely a bad allocation of resources when I'm sure there would be better available players that they could have uh, with that option. So to, to, to move on and, and end really here, the worst, worst possible scenario that I think could happen is Trevor Penning 10th overall if they miss out on the other tackles early enough. Uh, I I don't know, because if they're going to get Penning at 10, then why wouldn't they go after Cross or Icam at four? I Again, I could see that, and I think that this is just a situation where the Jets would be betting against themselves. And that yeah, I, if, we're in a, if we're in a scenario, if, if we're in a world where Joe Douglas is considering Trevor Penning at 10, we've already lost. If we're yep. in a world where, <laughs> where Joe Douglas is considering Jordan Davis at four, we've already lost like that's that let alone that. So it's kind of like the, the question you're asking of why would this happen? It doesn't make much sense. That's kind of the point is that's kind of yep. why it, it's, it's a bad pick is it kind of goes back to uh, 2018. When, if you're looking at the Browns where, they took Baker Mayfield first overall when the only team that was going to take um, was going to take him was going to be the Jets. And so if they weren't going to take Baker Mayfield or if they didn't take Baker Mayfield first and took somebody else at one, whoever that may have ended up being and waited to take Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold would have still been a Jet. 
because Sam Darnold was rated above Baker Mayfield on the Jets board. Mm-hmm. And there wouldn't have been uh, anybody else that would have been taken Baker before then. So they would have been fine because I'm pretty sure they picked it four that year. So it was, you know, they kind of got themselves where they picked Denzel Ward at four. Good for them. It worked out, but they kind of could have had anybody they wanted and still got a different position and still got what they wanted in the end. And so I kind of feel like where that's what would happen in this situation, where if you're passing on these offensive linemen early, then you want one, but you're not sure about it. And, you know, you, you take Kyle Hamilton in this scenario, or you take Jordan Davis in this scenario, because you think you need those guys more and you're thinking, Oh, a tackle will last until 10. And then they don't. And yeah. now, now you're, you're forced to overdraft. Then you become the Texans and you take Titus Howard at 25. Yeah. And that's not what you want to do. Uh, yeah. yeah, that would be hard. I don't even think Penning's a good fit for, for this team. I don't either. I mean, other than his nastiness, I don't think he has the movement skills to no. really be in a wide zone scheme. Uh, and he has so many penalties because I, I don't think it's due to his nastiness. I think it's due to his technique. I think yeah, he's, he, his technique is, is I'm bigger and stronger than you. That's his yeah, technique. That's his technique. And that will of course lead to many problems. So yeah, yeah um, that, that would be a disaster. And, it's a to pair those two. If you have Davis and then Penning, uh, yeah. At that point, we're we're already like we already turned off the TV. Yeah. <laughs> we're already yeah, no. I don't need this. to. I don't need to see the second round because yeah. I, I'll know. I'll know there'll be no point in watching if those are the decisions that the Jets will be making. <laughs> then yeah, exactly. At, at that point, worst case scenario has already transpired. Uh, the value wasn't there. And we took these guys and we probably missed out on a bunch of guys in free agency as well. And the result is we have to take these guys uh, to fill these needs. It's yeah. yeah, not a good place to be in. No, it's not a good place to be in. And I want to end with this. And I think this is an important place to end after an episode like this. I think this is very, very unlikely, not just the Jordan Davis stuff, this entire episode. I honest to God think that this is, very unlikely and that the jets brass that they have and the guys they have in charge are going to make the smart decisions and are going to make the correct decisions for this team and execute their plan to the best of their ability. And I am a little worried admittedly about the same old jets narrative getting in the way, but it was a really good sign to hear from the senior bowl from all of the other coaches and media people and et cetera, who were there that the jet staff seemed much more together and along uh better for lack of a better word than the lion staff it seemed like they were on the right path and they had the right guys in charge and everyone seemed organized and the drills were important and that it was a really good week from the jets and it really kind of was staggering the difference in the quality between the two coaching staffs so i'm confident that this team has the right people in charge right now and that they are going to make decisions that we are not going to be questioning and that we're not going to be sitting here scratching our heads, you know, wondering what is going on. And I think the reason that we can confidently say that, at least Matt and I and and other people who think along the lines that we do, is we predicted what Joe Douglas was going to do last year. And we looked into 
the scheme. We looked into the elements of it. We looked into the players that we saw where the scheme fits based on the draft board. We looked at the, the depth of each position and we came to some pretty obvious conclusions. One of those conclusions was that you got to trade up for ABT. What did the Jets do? They go and yeah, trade up for ABT. <laughs> and we said it for months. We said it for months and months and months leading up to the draft that this is the guy you have to get. The gap between him and the guys after him is significant. There's you have to get a spot at guard because, because as we've talked about in this episode, you struck out in free agency at left guard. So you had to get one early in the draft because you needed a starter. And this was going to be your best option for not only the immediate, but for the future. And there's no way he was going to last until the 23rd pick in the draft. So what do you do? You go and you trade up for him. And Joe Douglas didn't have any hesitation in doing that. The Jets are in a better position this year than they were last year. And I don't see any reason to think that based on what we saw with the decisions they made last year, which we can't fault Carl Lawson for tearing an Achilles, that, that's it's not his fault. It was nothing, just not going to sit here and say it was a bad signing or a good signing or anything. That's irrelevant. I think Corey Davis had his moments. I also think he was dealing with some injuries. The offense as a whole was going through some struggles. Did he need to play better? Yes. But am I going to sit here and say that it was an awful signing? No, it also wasn't that much money on top of that. And they had a lot of guys that they signed get hurt. Uh, on top of Carl Lawson, like Joiner, Joiner, yeah. Um, I had other depth pieces. They had Davis get hurt for six weeks. You know, they've had Jordan Davis, um, Jared Davis, not Jordan Davis. I, Too many Davis. Already, I'm already <laughs> pretending. I, I'm already pretending he's on the team. Um, yeah, we've. This team has had struggles, but the moves that they've made have all been sound. They've all had reason behind them. They've all been understandable. None of them have been head scratchers and none of them have been anything that we can't rationalize behind Joe Douglas's philosophy and this coaching staff's philosophy. And at the end of the day, that's important. We've said for so long that this team doesn't have an identity. They finally do. And they, they finally have a, a, a cohesive system where everyone from the top down knows what they're looking for at each particular position. And if the players that they're looking at don't fit that criteria, they don't care. And if they do, they're going to do everything in their power to get them. That's what you want. I really think this is going to be a great offseason for the Jets, not a nightmare offseason for the Jets. And if it is, then I think that there's no nothing else to say other than Tom Brady's got a voodoo doll in his closet somewhere. <laughs> I, yeah. And I, I want to thank you for talking everybody off that ledge after – that that last bit there after because, we push them onto it, <laughs> push them onto it, and, and me including <laughs> included. Uh, uh, so thank you for that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to be encouraged about with the direction of this team, and if any of these nightmare scenarios happen, it's not because it's what JD had in mind. It's because he was forced there. It's because exactly a, a number a number of things had to have happened that forced them into these uncomfortable positions to make these uncomfortable picks or uncomfortable signings. Uh, so I don't think we, we need to worry about that so much because I believe he is steps ahead of anything, anywhere where we are. Uh, I think he's been thinking about what he wants to do. He's, he's had his vision for a while now, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he's already got that down. We're trying to fill in the puzzle pieces here. Uh, and 
his, the, these puzzle pieces will 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 sort of fill in themselves uh, as time goes on here in the off season. And I think uh, JD's got a handle on it. I think we uh, we can sort of breathe easy knowing that he what he did last year is a good picture that we can follow for this year. And I, I take solace in that. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, I think so too. Absolutely. I, I absolutely think so. I don't think there's anything that we saw from last year that leads me to believe that things will be any different this year. And I think what's really important as my last point that I'm going to make before we end the show here is that Douglas positioned himself in this way for a reason. And that if he wasn't trying to build the team this way and competent in loading up his assets and giving himself cap space and, and trading Jamal Adams for the extra picks and moving on from Sam Darnold, I think there's like, we've talked about trade back scenarios where if they get the option to trade back, I think they'll take it. I don't think they would not take it. I think this is how Joe Douglas wants to be when he is running this running the show. He wants to give himself options. I don't think the jets are ever going to be the team. That's a uh, millions and millions of dollars over the cap under Joe Douglas. I don't think they're ever going to be a team that trades away all their draft picks uh, and just throws them away and goes into a draft with four picks one year. I, I think he values his assets and he is going to spread out his assets to always give himself options. The guy preaches due diligence and practically everything he says, and you can't be due diligent if you don't have the assets to be due diligent. So I I think it's really encouraging that we're seeing the formulations of a plan. We've seen the footsteps of a plan. We've seen a plan laid out and executed, and we've seen that it's not just a one-year plan. It's a multi-year plan. So I'm, I'm really excited for this off season after about, an hour or so of us sitting here listing off what could be a disaster and nightmare and every possible which way and, and same old jets, like no one would be able to believe. I am confident in saying that I think all of it is just a bad dream and none of it would ever actually come true. Time to wake up. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Everything is fine <laughs> for now. For now. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been a really fun, different, but definitely fun episode of the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm going to go need to take a cold shower to run the thought of Jordan <laughs> Davis at four uh, out of my brain. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Matt, go ahead and drop your handle and we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And make sure you guys follow at OKD Podcast on Twitter as well. Thank you guys again so much for listening and we will be back next week. Bye-bye.